the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Welcome to the College Planning Edge podcast. Andy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep, and this podcast is all about helping parents and kids get into and pay wholesale prices for the best colleges in the country so that they can get out in the workforce, get off mom and dad's payroll, and lead a satisfying and lucrative life. Marry a supermodel, build and sell a company for $500 million. Okay. Um, so let's talk about some of that stuff. Uh, this is this is me just with some random thoughts driving on my way to meet a bunch of prospective clients. A little jet lag. I was out in San Diego um, until approximately 6 a.m. Eastern this morning. I'm recording this on uh, the 13th of June. So when I was out in San Diego, staying in a nice hotel right in the bay, and right out front of me was a large clipper ship, a tall ship slash museum. And, you know, when I go away and get sort of out of my business, I start, you know, having all these thoughts that I've been, you know, struggling to process in the previous months or weeks or maybe even longer, I guess, maybe years. And what that reminded me of is a great book that I recommend called The Clipper Strip uh, Ship Strategy, Clipper Ship Strategy, I believe is by Richard Mayberry, who's an economist. And the gist of this book is that you want to take advantage of opportunities that open up or that become uh, that become available. So the clipper ship strategy specifically refers to the merchants in the 1840s during the gold rush who were um, buying goods in the east and racing to out west in order to sell those goods. So, you know, one of the cliches is that, you know, the people who got rich in the gold rush were not the people prospecting, it's the people who sold the, you know, the picks and the axes. Um, in this case, the clever ship strategy, they, they sold, you know, milk and butter and other staples that, you know, would cost like a dollar or less um, back then you know, out east, and then they would mark them up like, you know, five to ten times or more uh, out west. So <clears throat> the book also goes on to talk about different types of opportunities that open up. Some are created by the government, so one that comes to mind for me is the um, uh, the whole, you know, green movement. There's all kinds of government subsidies that are keeping companies like Tesla and solar panel, you know, companies propped up. Um, there's this, you know, there's a stout of money and opportunity that is uh, available in, in, in each case for those companies that took advantage of that. And that makes me think about, you know, today's college-bound kids and kids who are in college, they need to be thinking this way. What are the opportunities that are not only available today, but that are going to be available to me in the next, you know, five to ten years? That's one of the weird things about college is that ostensibly it's supposed to prepare us to, you know, be productive adults, you know, four or five years from the time that we start. But honestly, who the heck knows what the future is going to be like in five years? I remember reading something like uh, 80% of the new jobs that were created in the last five years 
were, were created by companies that didn't exist five years ago. I don't know if that's really true or not. It sounded like a good stat. But yeah, companies like Uber and Airbnb um, you know, didn't even exist five, ten years ago. And now they're for, you know, Fortune 500 or S&P 500 you know, companies. I think Airbnb is worth more than any other hotel like Marriott, even though it doesn't actually own real estate or hotels. So in our practice, what we do with kids when they come into us, either ninth, 10th, or 11th grades, the first thing we do is say, you know what, I know we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about college stuff, but that is an artificial four-year sliver of your life, and the real issue is not so much those four years, it's the 40 years after you get out of college. So let's suspend discussion on those four years and instead let's shift our focus for a few days to the, the post-college years. In other words, why are you going to college? Where can you fit into the world? And where can you make a living? Do, you know, doing something that you find extremely satisfying and maybe even love doing. Um, our process for doing that, which you can do some of this on your own, is first we administer an online assessment. The one that we use is called the Berkman. There are numerous others. There's Myers-Briggs. There's Colby, which I think is K-O-L-B-E. There's a lot of these types of assessments that are out there. And then the next step, and, and I'm sorry, the, the point of that initial assessment is to get a handle objectively on how each of our clients is wired, meaning not only where, where are they stronger or weaker academically, but also are you more introverted than extroverted? Are you, you know, are, do you prefer to be uh, sitting at a desk all day or do you need to be constantly out and moving around, chucking and driving, you know, that type of stuff? So the, the Berkman, my understanding about it, because I'm, I'm not a career counselor, we actually uh, have one who's terrific, the, the, my understanding of it is that it compares each kid versus 3.8 million other people who have taken this test, including about 300 of my clients to date, uh, also including two of my um, four kids, and that also includes um, my wife Pearl and I, who took it, I guess, five years ago before we incorporated this into our practice. And I'd say all but a, a, a relatively small handful of people have thought it was deadly accurate, and sometimes it's kind of freaky. I remember I remember being a little skeeved by it, how accurate it was, but that's that's more of a parlor trick, I think, than anything. I'm not sure how valuable it is. It is nice to confirm that, you know, that my intuitive understanding of myself or kids' under uh, intuitive understandings of themselves matches up. But the value is in the next step, which is when our, our career counselor Julie, when uh, who also happens to be a former college admissions officer, she will then say, okay, well, based on this tool and some other resources such as the Bureau of Labor Statistics and, and other information. Here are not one, not two, but five, eight, ten, twelve different fields and majors that lead to those fields or careers that I could see being a good fit in based on this objective evidence uh, weighted against 3.8 million other people. And then, and only then, do we do I step in, and then we start building the college list backwards. If you're paying attention, we're backward planning. We're starting with the end in mind and then backing into a set of schools. Now, again, it's not just one career that we're looking for because 80% of kids change majors, so it would be foolish just to narrow that down to one. But 
generally speaking, it's a good idea to try to call that list if it starts at 10 or 12, maybe down to four or five different careers and majors that lead to those careers, and then start backing into the college list. So that's really where we start, and you know, and buried um, or, or built into that list and those jobs are predictions for you know for the outlook on what those you know what those careers could be like in terms of their growth prospects the clipper ship strategy stuff so i've seen some very interesting careers pop up that i never would have thought about so one that comes to mind is uh, for for kids who are um, very visual and artistic and all that curation came up that's a way to be involved with art and not be a starving artist curation is um the, the way i think of it is it's a way for uh, well i'll give you actually a personal example so my dad was a photographer uh, he passed away about eight years ago but he uh, he's a freelance photographer he took a ton of photos that he used in a book they wrote about fidel castro uh, they're really remarkable photos and he also has a bunch of pictures of uh, joe dimaggio marilyn monroe and um, Elvis Presley going to the army and uh, Julia Child and you know all this stuff. A lot, a lot of that is hanging in my office. And um, a few years ago, my mom was approached by an agent to uh, try to represent the my dad's estate to uh, to monetize these photos that he had taken initially just all the ones of uh, Cuba and Fidel Castro. This is while Castro was still alive. So the first thing he did after we signed the deal was to take all these offline analog photos and organize them and archive them using um, an an archivist or uh, someone who's basically a curator. So that is a in a microcosm. That is how I think of what curation is. There's so many um, offline analog photos that need to be organized and stored digitally for collectors, for museums, for for universities, for publications. Uh, you name it. So that that's why curation is um, is a is a growing field for artists. So that's just one example. I won't. I won't belabor this because I think this podcast episode is getting a little bit too long now. Um, but those are just my thoughts that I wanted to share. I think they're very important. So just to sum up, I think before you start building a college list, it's important to get a handle on the ends to the means why you're going to school and to start doing some serious reflection on where you can fit into the world and where you can make a living doing that. And then it comes down to building a college list. And then the third step is, okay, well, what the heck do I need to do to get in? And that can start as early as ninth grade. Um, actually, a bunch of kids I'm about to meet right now as I'm pulling in here uh, are younger, uh, middle school. But the idea, which personally I think is kind of early, but, you know, <laughs> who am I? Um, the, uh, the idea, though, is that you start creating a body of work that's ultimately going to be judged by an admissions officer in, in ninth grade or sometimes even earlier so it's grades you know classes you take advanced classes or not and a whole lot of it is what you do extracurricularly in school out of school over the summer etc so if you're serious about giving yourself the best shot and you don't want to have any regrets as you look back on this process after you get into whatever college you get into 
then I think the earlier you start thinking about this, the better. And hopefully you think about concepts like the clippership strategy uh, when you are choosing not only your school list, but um, you know what you decide to major in. All right, so thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the College Planning Edge, the mobile edition with me driving around. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, just uh, you can leave them here. You can also uh, you can also give us a rating on iTunes. That would be terrific. I'm trying to uh, trying to expand my my reach here with this with this podcast, and you can always head over to our Facebook page. Leave some comments there too. Facebook.com slash Lockwood College Prep. All right. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Andy Lockwood. Don't forget to visit our website, LockwoodCollegePrep.com, for some more free, valuable information on how you can multiply your chances of admission to your dream colleges and qualify for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships along the way. Visit LockwoodCollegePrep.com for information on our free upcoming workshops and webinars and to download a copy of our number one best-selling book, How to Pay Wholesale for College. That's LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Bye-bye.